So I want to open with a few statements about who Jesus is. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. When he walked the earth, he told people who he was. But it wasn't until after the resurrection that all of his statements were validated by the people that followed him. And this morning, we're going to take a moment and just look at the life of some of the people that walked with Jesus and how their experience before and after the resurrection was changed. And I imagine there's some of us here today that even though we've heard the resurrection story, how many of you have heard the resurrection story, right? At least once a year, we hear a good full rendition. But listen, sometimes when you hear a story over and over again, it can become, we can lose its impact. And so this morning I want to invite you to just sit with me with fresh ears and let's hear this story in a new way and let's crawl into the people and the characters of that time and let's see if there's something there that can relate with our life in our time in this world and whatever you're facing. You came in from a life, you may have come in from challenges of all different kinds and you took this moment to celebrate and to lift up the name of Jesus and I believe God's going to bless you in that. And I believe that one of the ways he does that is through the opening of his word. You know, the resurrection experience in Easter Sunday, Josh McDowell, a Christian apologist, said that after more than 700 hours of studying the subject thoroughly, investigating its foundation, he came to the conclusion that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is either one of the most vicious and heartless hoaxes or it's one of the greatest fantastic facts of history. And he landed on the fact side. Somebody spending 700 plus hours determining, is this story that Christians celebrate, is it true? And it changed his life when he came to the realization, when he put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he saw that this was not just a fantastic story, it was a fact. Lee Strobel, in his book, The Case for Christ, said that every single shred of evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is also evidence for my eventual resurrection. If there's no resurrection, there's really no Christian faith. We're just as crazy as all the other faiths. If there's no resurrection, there's no distinguishing between Christianity and many of the other faiths. But friends, there is the resurrection. And Jesus in that proved everything that he said about himself was true. I want to start in Mark chapter 16. And this is one of the resurrection accounts. We're just going to look at two, Mark and Matthew. And this is a short sermon uh, this morning because, uh, as some of you know, we're having water baptism today. And there's several people that are waiting to get baptized in water on this resurrection Sunday. So we're going to have water baptism after the teaching Uh, this morning and so we start in Mark chapter 16 verse 1 when the Sabbath was passed Mary Magdalene Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him now first I want us to pause here so we read over this account sometimes so quickly this morning I want to have a fresh look at it instead of the details being dampened I want to just dry them off and sit with them for a minute. Let's take a close look at this text. These ladies had to go out and buy these spices. There's some intentionality to what they're doing. They're grieving. And presumably they couldn't go because of the Sabbath. They had to rest. They couldn't travel on the Sabbath. 
So they had to wait till the Sabbath was over. So during this time, these ladies are, are together. They're mourning together. How many of you have experienced a loss? You know, in those times, it's, it's good to be with other people. And they're in this time of grief. And they're in this time of loss. And, and they're sharing this time with one another. And they get some spices. And they're going to go and anoint Jesus' body with these spices. It says in verse 2, And very early on the next day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. Perhaps buying the spices kept them busy, kept them occupied. They planned out their trip to the tomb. They talked about when they would go. They wanted to wait till first light. In some way, their grieving hearts were maybe looking for closure. The arrest and crucifixion of Jesus happened so quickly, they didn't have a lot of time to deal with the circumstances that were unfolding. They're still shocked. Jesus' followers are still shocked by what's happened. We know the disciples are hiding away, locked away, to stay away from being arrested as well. The body of this passionate and fearless leader, this one that they had given their lives to, was laying in the tomb, and they didn't know what to do. So they just came up with a plan. In verse... Three, it says, and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Now what do you hear in that statement? Here's three grieving women who are hatching a plan. They're just putting something together. They're trying to handle the loss of their fearless leader. And they're walking on the way. It's dawn and they're walking towards the tomb. And they're walking towards the tomb and realizing like, we don't even have a way to get these spices onto his body. We haven't even thought through how we're going to get into the tomb. You know, sometimes when you're grieving, you're, the faculties of your mind aren't all accessible. It can kind of be in a cloud or a fog. And I think this is happening in these ladies' lives. The other thing you see is they're not full of faith in that moment, are they? They're not coming on this the third day and expecting what we know the end of the story, right? But crawl back into the beginning of it. These ladies lost someone that they loved, someone that they believed in. You ever had your hope disappointed? You ever been let down by a leader? You ever put your hope in an organization or you ever been hurt by the church? As I was preparing for this message today, God told me that there were going to be people here this morning that had been deeply wounded by church, by Christians. And that He wanted to invite you to a new type of walk with Him. One that didn't rely as much on the organization as it did on the relationship. One that didn't rely so much on the church as the structure and the, the bureaucracies and the rules, but the church as a loving people who each had individual relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, God is not moved by the lack of faith of these women coming to the tomb and saying, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? He, he's not overwhelmed by their grief or by their doubt or by their questions. He knows that they're having a true human experience. They're feeling loss. They're not thinking exactly clearly yet. They haven't figured out a really good plan. But they have to do something they have to do something. They have to get closure in some kind of way. I want to pause this story for a minute because Matthew tells a completely different account and shows us an entirely different story. Instead of three grieving women that are walking to the tomb, 
Matthew shows us the divine power of God. In Matthew 28, After the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Now this is Matthew's account of the exact same story, right? In Mark's account, we, get, we hear there's, there's three women and we know who they are. And Matthew summarizes it more. He's not as concerned about who's walking to the tomb. He's more concerned about what's happened inside the tomb. So Matthew's going to show you some different details. But let me tell you this, friends. For anybody that ever um, wants to have a girlfriend or keep their wife happy, you, you never want to refer to somebody as the other Mary, right? Oh, Mary, and you're the other Mary. Right, got it. In Matthew's account, it's not so much giving the people the esteem. It's giving God the esteem. It's, it's not so much bringing us into the human story. It's like, hey, there were these people. Here's who they were. But let me tell you the next part. Let me tell you what was happening as they went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. So Matthew talks about the power of God here. There was a great earthquake. And an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. You ever finished a, a big project in your yard or on your house and afterwards you sit down and have a lemonade or a, a cold soda water or something? Look at this. Great earthquake, the angel of the Lord comes, he moves a stone and he sits right on top of it. He's like, look, at, look, look what just happened. Now somehow, in Mark, while these women are, are coming to the, the tomb, they don't... There's no mention that they felt an earthquake. See, I don't think their hearts were full of faith that what Jesus had said all along was going to happen. Have you ever been that person? Have you ever been that person? These are two accounts of the exact same story. And one is filled with this power of God and the other is filled with this doubt and this grief. And I think that's, a lot of times that's us. Even maybe some of you have come here today and we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but in your heart, you're not there. You're just not there yet. And God says, that doesn't appall God. That doesn't turn God away from you. He's right here. He's ready to minister to each of our hearts no matter where we are this morning. But Matthew's account here is so powerful. A great earth, not just an earthquake, a great earthquake. Presumably that everybody would have felt it. And certainly fear would have been uh, driven into the people that felt it and knew that this is God. This isn't just another earthquake. This is God bringing to life His own Son. In Matthew 28 now, we continue to read verses 3 and 4. That this angel who sat upon the stone, his appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Look at that irony. The one who came, Jesus Christ, he came. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him would have everlasting life. Here, the everlasting son has been laid to rest in a body. And he's laying like a dead man. But when God sends an angel and an earthquake and raises his son back to life, it's the guards who become like dead men. The fear, the godly fear, because the power of God was so strong. See, Matthew doesn't 
spend any time letting us know what, who's walking to the tomb. He brushes over it. He spends his time saying, look what God did in that place. Look what God did in that place. Now, these, let's crawl back to this story now in Mark. So we know there's been a great earthquake. We know that there's an angel sitting on the stone. We know that the guards are laying like they're dead on the ground. Back into Mark's story, chapter 16, verse 4. And looking up, so they've gotten to the tomb, and looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. What was their question a moment before? Who's going to roll away the stone? Now, now we know from Matthew that a great earthquake happened, the stone rolled away, and there's a big, giant angel that's so bright and brilliant and, and fearful with the, the power of God that the guards are laying like dead men, and he's sitting on the top of the stone. But look at this. When they looked up, they saw the stone had been rolled back and it was very large. What else are you expecting them to see? Right? So I just wonder where, where they're at. They're not yet sure that God has done this. It could have been a, bit, a, a large group of soldiers. It could have been so many different situations. In verse 4, they're just noticing that, oh, problem solved. We can go in and put spices on now. I don't know who did this, but you ever, you ever have something in your life that all of a sudden it just clicks, something goes right, and it, it's obviously God working divine intervention into your life. For some of you, that just might be that you're in church today. It's divine intervention into your life. But we're not able to see it, are we? We're not able to see it. It's like the eyes of our heart aren't open. It's like we can't see that God is actually working right now, doing an incredible thing all around us. He's changing history. He's changing the story of Christianity. He's changing your very life this day. And it's like, oh, cool. So we're done at 1230? So those stones roll back? This is great. I can get on with what I came to do. I can get on with my life. I can get on with things how they normally work. And Jesus said, this is not a normal moment. This is not life as usual. This is not something that you walk away from and you continue down the same road. This is something you experience once and it changes your life forever. That's what this moment is. But for these ladies, it's not that moment yet. There's no mention of the guards laying down, and there's no mention of the angel on the stone. But here in verse 5, so they actually enter the tomb. They go past the stone, past the guards who are laying like dead men, and they enter the tomb, and they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and then they were alarmed. You see, for them, they had to walk a little further. And some of you this morning, God's tried to get your attention before, and you weren't you weren't listening. And God's intervened in your life before. He maybe saved you from a, a bad thing that was going to happen. Could have been a bad relationship. Those of you who are in high school or college, sometimes God intervenes in our lives in ways that we don't know they're God. We can't see it's God yet. Sometimes it's a disappointment. It's something that we thought we were really hoping for and it didn't happen. And sometimes that's God saying no so that you don't get into sin or problem or further trouble in your life. Sometimes He saves your life from catastrophe. 
from what, what would look like an accident, from some type of catastrophe, some type of business decision or financial decision. Sometimes he steps in and it, God's all over that moment and he's showing a display of his power, but we just haven't given him credit for it. We haven't seen it. And we have to go a little further in our life. We have to live another year or two. We have to live, hopefully not another 20 years, but sometimes there's a journey until God really gets our attention again. And here these women hadn't seen it. Not with an earthquake, not with an angel on the tomb, not with guards laying like dead, not yet. They still haven't got it. I'm still going to go on with my purpose that I came for, and I'm going to put these spices on his body. But friends, today might be one of these moments where you've gone a little farther and God said, hey, today, today it's not about the church that's hurt you. It's not about bad teaching. It's not about false hopes. It's not about a relationship. It's not about a college plan that didn't work out. It's not about the breakup with your boyfriend or girlfriend. It's not about what's going on in your marriage or what's going on in your finances. It's about me wanting you to be with me. That's what it's about today. And maybe you've missed some of the signs along the way. Some really big things. Usually our moms know. I don't know if you, you were blessed with a good Christian mother, but I was. And in my life, when I was missing some of the signs, somehow my mom knew. She would pray for me, and she kind of always knew. Mamas know, you know what I mean? They're a great gift to, to, the, to the church, to the family. Moms just kind of know what's going on. So if you're here with your mom and you're not sure, just ask her. There's moments where God has intervened in your life, I guarantee it. The question is, are you willing to see everything God was doing? Are you willing to let Him be the Lord of your life? And are you willing to let Him show you what He's been up to? Some of you might be running from a call that God has given you. Some of you may have been called to ministry. Some of you maybe have had dreams or prophetic words spoken over you. And yet, you're going on with your life like as if nothing's happened. Some of you maybe used to walk with the Lord more closely, and now you're chasing the world. You've gotten into a bad relationship. Your boyfriend or your girlfriend isn't as into God as you are or were, and that's taken you off course. Maybe you've taken a job where the atmosphere at work is pretty bad, and over time that's kind of numbed you to the closeness you had with God. Maybe you have some unresolved conflict in your marriage and you've let that grow into affecting your relationship with God. Maybe you're not getting along with your parents. Parents, maybe we're not getting along with our kids. And somehow in these moments of distress, it's easy for us to stop seeing what God is doing and to focus only on the problem. Only on the issue at hand. And friends, as I prepared, I heard the Lord tell me, call home His own. Especially those of you who have been hurt by other Christians, hurt by the church. That all along in the whole mess of that, God was calling you to Himself. That's all He's ever wanted. It's you and Him. That's all He's ever wanted was a relationship with you. 
Sometimes we've been so beat up by the very thing that's the very truth of the Word of God. We've been beat by it. Rules, rules, behavior, behavior. And in all of that, in the middle of that, God says, but I love you. That wasn't me, that was some distortion of me, but I love you. There are so many distortions of what Jesus looks like, sounds like, and the only true way to know is to put your nose in this book, the Bible. This is the only way to encounter the real Jesus. Maybe your parents didn't have the right Jesus, or maybe your grandparents didn't have the right Jesus, but you can. You can have the right Jesus. All it takes is coming into this word and saying, you know what? He paid the ultimate price for me. He gave up his life. I'm going to pay a price to read the words that he's given me. We look at the world and there's so many misperceptions of who Jesus is. Let me just read a few of them. Some people think that Jesus never existed at all. Some think that he's uh, the therapist in the sky who helps us cope with our problems and tells us how valuable we are not to be too hard on ourselves. There are some people who think Jesus is a Starbucks fan and drinks fair trade coffee, loves spiritual conversations, drives a hybrid, goes to film festivals. There are people who think Jesus is an open-minded friend who loves everyone all the time, no matter what, except, of course, for people that are not as open-minded as you. There are people who think Jesus is a sports fanatic who helps athletes run faster, jump higher, the non-Christians and determines the outcomes of Super Bowls. There are people who think Jesus is just a good man who died a cruel death so we can feel sorry for him. There are people who think Jesus is a man who is meek and mild, walked around barefoot wearing a sash. Yeah. There are people who think Jesus is a man who teaches everyone to give peace a chance, who doesn't have a problem with helps us remember that all you need is love. There are people who think Jesus hates religion, churches, pastors, priests, and doctrine, and would rather have people out in nature finding the God within. There are people who think Jesus is a revolutionary who teaches to rebel against the system and stick it to the man. There are people who think Jesus is merely a wise, inspirational teacher who believes in you and helps you find your center. There are people who think Jesus is a good example shows you how to help others and save the planet. There are people who think Jesus is just one of many ways to get into heaven. That he was a prophet but not the son of God. There are people who think Jesus will forgive them even if they do not forgive others. There are people who think that Jesus loves people too much to send anyone to hell. There are people who think that Jesus approves of any sin that they are not willing to give up. And there are people who think Jesus will accept them as long as they perform enough good works in this life. There are people who think that Jesus cannot or does not want to forgive them for their past wrongs. All of those misperceptions could be cleared up by a robust study in the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. He's perfectly revealed in the Word of God. And one of uh, these very clear statements in John 11, 25 and 26, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asks, do you believe this? Jesus knows who he is. 
But on this Resurrection Sunday where he says about himself, I am the resurrection and the life, the question then moves over to us. Do we believe this? Do I believe this? Do you believe this? Now of all the misperceptions we just heard, I want to read you a list of accurate perceptions that are actually written right in this book, right here. The Word of God says that He is the resurrection and the life. He is the maker of heaven and earth. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the God-man. He is the light of the world. He is our humble servant. He is the anointed one. He is the bread of life, the tree of life, the author of life. He is the good shepherd. He is our healer and our protector. He is the only true vine. He is the Holy One of Israel. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Wonderful Counselor. He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He is our refuge and our mighty tower. He is undefeated in battle. He is the Lord of hosts. He is the Word made flesh. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the promised Messiah. He is the rock of our salvation. He is the chief cornerstone. Yes, He is the dragon slayer. He is the sinless Savior. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the sinner's friend. He is the great high priest. He is the righteous judge. He is the Son of the living God. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Now my question to you this morning is, do you believe this? Do you believe this? I'm going to just ask everybody just to close your eyes for a moment, give you a bit of privacy. I told you this morning that the Holy Spirit was heavy on my heart with people that have been hurt by church and have thrown in some ways the baby out with the bathwater. Your relationship with Jesus went when you stopped doing the church thing. Jesus says, okay, but I want you and I want you to find me. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? All across this room this morning, if that's you, I want you to stand up right where you're seated. Do you believe this? You're ready to come to Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, this new beginning with you is more important than the hurt of my past, the pain of my past. Jesus, my belief in you this morning, I see that your divine intervention has been real in my life. Would you just stand right where you are this morning? Thank you. So just remain standing. For some of you, you've come here this morning and you know that God has had a plan for your life, a purpose for your life. And you know what? You've gone through some divine moments and you haven't given Him credit and you've kept going in your life. And God's gotten your attention. Maybe even recently, He's gotten your attention in a pretty serious way and yet you haven't really turned to Him and said, okay, God, I'm done leading my own life. Come and take charge. If that's you, would you stand up right now? Stand up, amen. Yep, just stay where you are. Stay standing. Let me tell you this. If there's any this morning, you've been walking with God. At one point in your life, you were closer. And maybe it was a bad relationship, and maybe it was your work, but whatever it was, you were walking closer with God. And you know right now, if you died, there would be a question about whether or not Jesus would accept you. Because you've been walking away. I want you to stand.
you're ready to turn back to him and say, you know what, I'm going to be a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to be wishy-washy. I'm not going to look to the right or to the left. I'm going to stay on this narrow path. Amen. Amen. Would you just pray with me, those of you that are standing? And the rest of the congregation, would you join in? Father, in Jesus' name. Go ahead and say it out loud. Father, in Jesus' name. I thank you for the cross. I thank you that your life was given for mine. I thank you that I can have new life in you. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That he died for my sin. That he was buried and dead for three days. And by the power of God, he was risen up. And that I now have new life in him. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's give God some glory this morning. Now we're about to have water baptisms. And if you were one of those people that stood up, I want to invite you, if you've never been water baptized, you can get water baptized right now. We're about to have a water baptism. You came all dressed up for, for Easter or you came in your Sunday clothes or whatever you came in. And the, the pool is right back here. And in a moment, I'm going to wear this. And I'm going to get in and Brother Mike's going to help me. And we're going to baptize. There are three or four people that are already signed up to get baptized. But if you just stood up and said that prayer with us, and you need to be baptized, you can do that right now. We actually have an extra set of clothes for you that you could slip into right now. We're going to sing a worship song and give you some time to change if you want to change. We've got a place for you to change. We've got some clothes for you. I know that is a really crazy request, right? You're coming to Easter Sunday. You didn't expect to get baptized. But you know what? In the scripture, there does not have to be a delay. In the moment that you turn to God, you can go ahead and get baptized. So I've got um, some people in the back here, Tina. And does anybody want to take advantage of that opportunity right now? As uncharacteristic as it might be. Does anybody want to... Get baptized on Easter Sunday. Anybody that just stood up? Right here? All right. Anybody else? Anybody else that stood up wants to get baptized right in this moment? You want to think about it? You ready? All right. Let's go. Here's Tina, she's going to help you, and Miss Murda there. Tina, can you, anybody else? It's a great story. Lately, and I've never felt God's love so close like he, I do now. But if you ever doubt that God loves you, don't, because he is there for you, whatever you're going through. Amen. She, amen. Thank you, Jesus. She wasn't signed up. She just signed herself up right now for this moment. So here we go. Thank you, Jesus.
Father, we come before you tonight in Jesus, or this evening in Jesus' name. Father, she's made a choice. But what have caused her to make that choice? The love that you've given to her. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name. Lord, as this sister goes down in, in your wonderful name, that when she rises to the newness of life, that she'll feel love like she's never felt it before. That God, to know that you've got her back and you've got her future and all that she has is in your hand now in the name of Jesus. said to do and it's just if he said to do it we must do it right <laughs> all right can't argue with that life and he told me he said that he's living in a tent but you know what I know God's going to give him a new home I believe God's going to set him at a place to where he can enjoy the fullness of all that life has and taking on his name he becomes a, a joint heir with the Lord so we're going to amen all right just take my hand take both of them Okay, Andrew, by the confession of your faith, by the authority given unto me through Jesus Christ, I baptize you now in Jesus' name for the Christians of Resurrection Sunday like this, but God was all over, and those people coming out, you could, you could just sense His presence in our midst. So let's just thank the Lord for this time of celebration. Lord, we thank you, God. Thank you. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. We love you. Bring your friends. Come back next week. You're going to be blessed by Pastor Ed. He's a great man of God, and uh, you'll, be, you'll be blessed. God bless you guys. Enjoy your families and friends today. We'll see you soon.